we never know what we're saying to people, what people are going through and how much that can impact them. Welcome to Real Souls, Real Spirituality, Real Connection. A podcast about real day-to-day spirituality and navigating our spiritual human experience. This is a podcast for people keeping it real and anyone with a soul. (laughs) (laughs) Our hope for this podcast is to engage in raw, authentic conversations about what it means to be a spiritual being. We are going to have so much fun exploring some deep topics and create a dialogue about spirituality. We would like you, the listener, to feel connected to your spirituality and as part of a soul community. We are never alone in this journey as we are all souls. So let us get real. All right. So today uh, it's gonna be the three of us. I'm here with my lovely friends, Gabby and Patricia. This is Victoria and we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about our journeys in, in this real spiritual space and um, letting you all get to know us a little bit better and get to know the, the three of us who are, are walking you through this podcast. I think it's going to be raw. Um, we're going to be vulnerable. I think we committed to being vulnerable and just kind of walking through each of our journeys throughout this conversation. So okay. with that, I hope you all enjoy it and let's do this. Let's do yes. it. Let's get real. Let's get real and raw and all that stuff. Yeah, this feels a little bit uncomfortable, honestly, because I'm usually the one on the other side as a coach listening to people's life stories and traumas and things like that. And I don't think I've ever talked to about my stuff with anybody in the way that we're going to do it today Mm. at once. (laughs) Like, Mm. yeah, so that's uncomfortable, but we're going to be uncomfortable and it's about connection and so that you, the listeners, can connect with us and who we are and why we do what we do. And that's very powerful. And that's what we believe in. And the circles that Victoria and I created, um, we call it soul circles. We do it twice a month. It's all about connecting and, and being authentic and vulnerable so it's our turn to do it victoria (laughs) (laughs) well there's so much power and vulnerability too and i think people are starting to see that in society but to be vulnerable is not to be weak Mm -hmm. that's right it's to gosh it's amazing it's like wildfire if if one person is vulnerable it gives it empowers other people to be vulnerable. Yeah. So we're just going to go around our little circle here and ask each other questions about where you come from and how was your upbringing and how was your journey to spirituality? What were the hardest moments of your life and um, where you're at now? I think starting is the hardest part. And then after that, it's going to be like, exactly. Okay. Let's start with an easy question. So both of you, started a business at the same time Mm -hmm. what nine years ago ten years ago somewhere in that range why what led you to that point what were you doing before that and what led you to do that and talk a little bit more about what business Reiki you know what what was it what was the intention behind it yeah I was brand new to Reiki back then it was oh gosh it was nine or ten years ago now that um I learned Reiki and I was barely getting started and I was seeing clients and one of our friends at the time referred Gabby to me and so I saw her during a Reiki session and it was just like an instant connection I mean 
it was cool, right, Gabby, how that was. And then she ended up taking Reiki from me, and we became really good friends at that point. We were both wanting to open up our own place because I was seeing clients in a shared space, but it wasn't really the place for me to be, if that makes sense. I, I kept feeling guided to go somewhere else. And so that's what Gabby and I decided, that we would open our first office together, and it's just taken off since then. Mm-hmm. And Gabby and I have been like peas in a pod <laughs> since then. <laughs> since then. <laughs> yes. Yes. For me, it was, I've always wanted to be like a psychologist or a therapist, but I always felt like there was something missing in psychology. Mm. And so that's why I never went to school for it. And also because I totally could not afford it. And out of nowhere, I started thinking of like, I felt really drawn to life coaching and hypnotherapy. And at the time I was working at as a server at Olive Garden and as a manager assistant there too. And I decided to start learning about hypnotherapy and life coaching and started to go to a school in Arizona called the Southwest Institute of Healing Arts. And at the same time, I went to see a, a medium that I love and he recommended me to go to Patricia. He was like, oh, do, you, do you know about Reiki? And I have never really heard about Reiki before. And I was like, no, but if he's saying it, then I should go try it out. And the first time I went to see Patricia it was beautiful. And like I remember kind of crying through my session because it was the first time in my life that I felt God's presence mm. without being in the church because I grew up LDS. And left the church when I was 16. So this was maybe I was like, what, 27 or 28, maybe when I went to see Patricia. And I felt that same love and that mm. that spirit. And it was beautiful to feel that. So I was hooked. I remember she told me she was teaching a class a couple weeks after I met her. And I was like, yeah, I'll take the class. And that's how everything started. And then decided to open my business and the business situation was funny because this medium offered me to work in his office when he was off and his days off and it was great I got very busy uh, right away and three months after he was like and now you can leave and find your own space and I was like no I'm not ready for that I was still working full-time at Olive Garden I had a little daughter and I was going full-time to school also and I got like 150 clients my first month and a half when I opened my business. So it got, everything got super, happened super fast for me. And I quit my job at Olive Garden um, a month into it. So yeah, and it's been growing since then. Oh, yeah. um, You're busier than you can handle. Right yeah, now, right? so it's, it's been just growth and growth and growth from that moment on uh, to where I opened a wellness center in 2018 and then I opened two more and so then they keep expanding and now we're d- doing retreats with Victoria and yeah it just keeps going on so you are incredible at holding space and for anyone out there listening to this holding space is something we all should try and do but some people are incredibly gifted at it and one absolutely one of them where did this ability this skill because I think it is a natural ability but also a skill that that you hone and it's your it's part of your craft where does this come from that's a great question I think and honestly comes from trauma a lot of people that are very empathic they're born that way but I think most empaths become empaths because of trauma 
And I think I was one of those. I think I was born with a lot of, uh, like a very high sense, highly sensitive child, but then I became an empath from always walking on eggshells as a child mm-hmm. and having to observe. And I became the observer and the holding space uh, for people in my home just naturally out of survival. So I think that's um, why I'm able to do that now. It's just where I'm comfortable at. I felt more comfortable always being the one listening or supporting somebody or helping somebody feel better than and not caring about me or how I feel or what I need myself. It's a survival mechanism Mm -hmm. that I was able to turn into something beautiful and empowering for myself. But yeah, I think that's where it comes from. Victoria, what about you? We haven't heard from you yet. Wow. I was born on <laughs> I was born on a very hot August day. No, I know. <laughs> you know, there's I kind of think of my spiritual journey as the the part before and then the dark part and then the, the part now. And as a child, I almost would say I was more spiritually connected than, you know, I was even almost now. I just I always had these beautiful beings around me and I feel like I knew more as a child than I did in recent years. In my late 20s and and into my mid 30s kind of went through this dark period where I was raising kids. We'd gone through a really, really bad custody battle. Um, They're my stepchildren. And we moved out to Utah from Colorado. So we moved away from everything that I'd known. We moved away from all of our friends and family. And it was just my family and that was it. And we were very isolated and you know, life piles on. And I started dealing with really terrible pain. And as a lot of people who have chronic pain will probably understand, you go from doctor to doctor to doctor, and it's like, oh, well, it might be this, but I don't know, go here. Or, I mean, I've been kicked out of doctor's offices because they're like, we don't, we can't help you. Please, you know, we don't want it. The doctor doesn't want to see you today. And it got to the point. Yeah, it's, it's really. They like to have answers, and when they can't, yeah, you know, it's everything from let me cut you open and see what's going on to... Well, let me give you this pill here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And at one time, I had a dozen prescriptions, and I would say like nine of them were for the side effects from the three that I, <laughs> you know, was on, and it just... I got to this really dark place, and um, I didn't I didn't want to be here anymore. I didn't want to be a part of this. I, it... I didn't want to live every day in the kind of pain I was in. And at that point, I was shut off spiritually. Although my guides were there, I was just shut off spiritually. And I didn't want... I wanted to leave Earth. I wanted to go back to where I knew I was from. I just wanted to like hit reset. I don't know if I thought I was Mario or what. But I wanted to hit <laughs> with the reset button, you know, after you fall in the little ditch over there or whatever. But... And... I don't even, I was trying to think the other day what caused me to pick up my phone and search for Reiki. Mm. And when I was in my early 20s, I was a lot more spiritual in your, you know, 21 year old exploring spirituality, tarot card readings. And, and somewhere in that world, I'd heard of Reiki or I had something told me like, look for a different path. And I did. And I found Gabby's I think I found a Groupon yeah. to come and see you. Oh, wow. In the days of Groupon. In the I'm days they did Groupon. Yeah. Remember, for those of you youngsters who don't remember Groupon, <laughs> there was this thing. You know? yeah. um, and the experience was very subtle 
but it was eye-opening for me it was like remember like do you remember this place and I remember that appointment as being like starting my path to come home and from there it's just kind of somersaulted in fits and starts to where I am today. I don't know if that even answers the question that you asked. I guess oh, yeah. I think it does. Yeah. And that's one thing I forgot to go into too, is my background and mm-hmm. what brought me to Reiki. Mm-hmm. Um, I was ba- raised in a very religious home where this kind of thing was totally frowned upon and were conditioned to believe that anything out of the supernatural is to be avoided or anything out of that religion is to be avoided Mm -hmm. because they're the ones that have all the answers and you don't need to go anywhere else to seek answers, right? And so when I left that church originally, I was seeking something else. And because I knew there was more to than what that religion was teaching me. And so when I left that religion, I was kind of exploring. I got into meditation. Gosh, and that was probably 15-ish years ago um, where I was kind of getting it. It's like you were saying that that 20-year-old, I wasn't 20, but that when you're first exploring, Mm -hmm. you're just kind of like playing around a little bit with this, that, and everything. And I remember being scared because my husband is still a believer in that religion. And I remember hiding certain things from him because I didn't want him to think I was possessed or Mm. from Satan or the devil or whatever, you know? So anyway, my journey is going through that. I suffer from a lot of chronic pain and I believe it's because of all the trauma I've had in my life too. And like Victoria, I'd been to so many doctors. I'd even been to therapy because they thought it was all psychological. And and I guess it kind of was in a way. And I didn't find any good therapists. So I was kind of soured on therapy. Uh And I ended up Googling natural pain remedies or something (laughs) like that. And then Reiki just kept coming up. And I was like, what the heck is Reiki? I've never even heard of Reiki. And as I was like shopping around for a Reiki teacher, I just didn't find anybody. Nobody really vibed with me, you know, that kind of. And I didn't know it at the time that that's what it was. Looking back now, I can see that it was that. And so finally, this one teacher stood out to me because she was literally like 10, 15 minutes from my house. And I thought, oh, that would be very, very... um, convenient to do that and so I ended up taking a Reiki class without ever having a Reiki session (laughs) and so I didn't even know what I was getting into I didn't know really what Reiki was at that point I just thought you know what I'm going to take this class hopefully it'll help me with my chronic pain so that's originally why I took Reiki was to help myself Mm. I didn't plan on going further down the road and teaching Reiki and doing Reiki it was all for me so yeah that's been my journey as far as going getting into Reiki goes. It's been about 12 years ago that we lost our son when I lost him midterm or mid-pregnancy. And at that time, I hadn't found Reiki or really not much of spirituality. A little bit. I was still dabbling in little things here and there. But when I lost him, I knew that I needed some kind of higher power. Mm. And so I did end up going back to that church because that was the only thing I knew, Mm -hmm. right? And it was just interesting because when I did that, 
it was really hard to get it to resonate with me again, but I just kept thinking, oh, if I try harder, if I do this, if I do that, it's going to resonate with me. And then eventually I was like, why am I doing this? You know, there were several doctrines that they put out that I absolutely did not agree with. And so that's what was like, hey, it's time for you to leave. And then that's when everything started unfolding and opening for me is when I got out of that conditioned mindset that religion, and I'm not anti-religion, I'm just saying there are some religions out there that I call high demand religions Mm. that demand a lot from their members and it's more of cultish type stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So anyway, I think I was talking too much too. No, that's (laughs) awesome. That's awesome. So I want to go into so that listeners can get to know us better like let's paint a picture of like where we come from and our background from when we were children and what we've been through that made us who we are today you know so like um let's start with you patricia paint a picture of how your life was as a child you know where you come from do you have siblings yeah your parents and um what was difficult for you as a child oh boy it's a whole podcast episode so i'm gonna try to keep it as concise as i can i grew up in southern california i am the third of five children growing up was actually very difficult for me Back then, I didn't know I had ADHD because it wasn't a Mm -hmm. thing back then. And so I really struggled with a lot of the ADHD symptoms. And I had a lot of bullying growing up. There were a lot of kids that bullied me because I was different. People didn't understand neurodiversity back then. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I was bullied a lot at church. I was bullied a lot at school. And at home, my life was pretty crazy too. My brother has the hyperactive form of ADHD and even back then it still wasn't that big of a known thing. And so his manifested as anger and being out of control. And so he took his anger out on us kids and so he was always beating us up and you know I had a father who came from a military background. He was a sergeant in the Air Force and then later on became a cop. And so he has this very strict regimental way of parenting, which did not go well with who I was. I've always Mm -hmm. been a very sensitive soul. He was very abusive physically and emotionally and mentally. And so my childhood was kind of chaotic. And then later on down the road, I was sexually abused. And so I had that trauma on top of all the other church trauma, the bullying trauma, the trauma at home. So yeah, that's kind of my background as far as where I came from. I didn't have anybody to help me. I was all alone, really. My parents come from a generation where you don't talk about your feelings Mm -hmm. and they don't know how to support people who are going through trauma. And so I never felt safe coming out to my parents about the things that had happened to me um, at school, the sexual abuse, that kind of thing, uh, I had nobody to go to. And I believe that's what manifested as my physical pain later in life. Mm -hmm. And I am one of those people who, because I come from a big background of trauma, that I want to help other people Mm -hmm. that have trauma in their lives too. And that was another thing when I got deeper into Reiki that put me in that place of, I want to help other people too. I want to help other people find peace. I Mm want to help people feel this love that maybe they've never felt before. And so that's um, also where I came from as far as going to massage therapy school too, because I'm a massage therapist. 
when I would work on Reiki clients, I'd always feel that they had stuck stuff in their body and I wanted to massage their body, mm-hmm. but I can't do that because it's out of my spoke, uh, scope, scope of, of practice. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And so I thought, well, I'm going to go to massage therapy school. I mean, there's a whole other story behind that, but we're not going to get into that. But I ended up going to massage therapy school because I was in chronic pain myself and I wanted to help other people mm-hmm. in chronic pain as well as combine the Reiki with it as well. So it was like the best of both worlds, and that's how I... So I believe my trauma actually put me in the perfect Mm -hmm. place. I would never want to go through some of the stuff that I've been through ever again because it was so traumatic and it was horrible, but I can say I'm grateful for the person it shaped me into because now I'm able to help other people. Mm -hmm. Well, one thing about you, Patricia, that I just adore is that when I think of resilience, I see your face because, you know, I think in our culture today, we're convinced that resilience means poof, I'm over it. Woohoo. And, you know, it's like the superhero has their moment and they fly up into the sky and (laughs) save the world. And that resilience is a day to day thing. And I see Trish is a little crazy. She's out there in the (laughs) skate park. And I mean, I love it. And I live vicariously (laughs) through you because I'm terrified of roller skating, rollerblading, <laughs> skateboarding. But just, I mean, you you live with such a joy, and I know that that joy is built on your lifetime yeah. of pain. building that resilience over top yeah. of that pain. And that it's, I see you take those steps every day like, and see that journey, and it's just, it is the most beautiful thing to see. And that, to me, is resilience, that you carry, you're still carrying your backpack. You're not flying through the skies. Like, that's not necessarily resilience. And yeah. it's a really beautiful thing Well, to thank see. you for that. Yeah, I think a lot of it is my inner child coming out mm-hmm. now where it didn't have, didn't yeah. feel safe to come out back then. It's beautiful. It was, Yeah, it wasn't safe to have my yeah. inner child come back then in my home, outside of the home. And so now it's like, I'm living life. I'm going to enjoy things that maybe I did jo- enjoy as a kid, but I want to bring back into my life because I roller skated as a kid. Oh, I, love I it. loved it. That was my escape mm-hmm. from all the emotional crap that was going on in my life. That was my escape. And so I'm like, I just want to do this again. It made mm-hmm. me so happy. And all the other things that I'm doing now that make me happy are, are, are the inner child coming yeah. out. Yes. And it's a really important to bring out that inner child even if you haven't had trauma, I think as adults, we tend to take ourselves too seriously sometimes. Mm -hmm. And we forget that there's that fun, playful side of life. We're worried about what other people will think. What is the, you know, because I don't know why society paints this picture of when you're an adult, you don't act like a child anymore. You Mm -hmm. You have to adult and you have to this and you have to that, right? No, it doesn't have to be like that. Mm -hmm. I could not agree more. I, I love that. Yes. We need to have some fun. Adulting can be fun. Yes, it can. After you pay your bills. <laughs> or not. I mean, it's your choice. It's your life. It's your path. <laughs> oh. uh, Gabby, is there more you wanted to add for your story on that one? Yeah, I'll paint the picture a little bit of like where I come from and, and how I became to be this person that I am today. So let's see. You can probably all tell that I have an accent because I was born somewhere else. <laughs> so I'm from South America, from a little country named Uruguay, which is between Argentina and Brazil. It's a tiny little coastal country. And that's where I grew up. I, I was there until I was 13. I'm the oldest of five uh, I have one brother and, and three sisters and a very unstable father. 
an amazing mother that was also very unstable because of all what what my father put her through all over the years. The first time that my father left us was I was probably like four or five years old. Uh, one day he came and he told my mom that he was gonna move to Argentina on Sunday. It was like Friday and he's like, I'm gonna go work uh, in Argentina. And he left us for a year and my mom did not know anything about him for a year. That was really hard on my mom with five kids. And I think she had four at the time. My little sister wasn't there yet. And I took my dad's role being the oldest. I became a mom's helper. I slept with her. I could feel her and hear her cry every night. And I just helped her take care of my siblings since then. So for me, my siblings are like my kids too, mm. because I took that role. I think that put me in a very masculine energy since I was like a little girl, uh, five years old. I believe that that created a lot of my hormonal issues that I struggle with my whole life because I I have what it's called PCOS, and it's it, it means my hormones are out of balance. I have really high testosterone, which is the male hormone, and it created a lot, lot of issues for me and my fertility and things like that as a teenager that I still struggle today. So it was difficult when he came back. My mom got pregnant with my little sister, and things were so different since then. Very a, a lot of violence, a lot of aggression. It, I think that's when. I started living in fear, constant fear. When I was 12, he decided the same way to move to the United States, which is also like next week, I'm moving to the United States. And he came here to work with a church because we were LDS too, and left us again. My mom is a vet and she had a animal rescue, uh, but she had to do multiple things. And I just helped her to taking care of my siblings while she was working and then a year after she wanted to come with him she missed him a lot so she did whatever she had to do to raise the money to move us here and back then ten thousand dollars was a lot of money for us so she raised the money and not mm -hmm. your father yeah because wow. he actually made us lose our home our apartment that we, we lived in so mm -hmm. um she had no other choice than to follow him here Mm. and because we were going to be homeless. So I moved here when I was 13, and I think that was probably like one of the hardest things in my life to move to a completely different country where I didn't know any English, and I missed my grandma so much. I had to leave my dog, and that was really traumatic for me too. And just came here to a beautiful place, and now it's my home, and I can't imagine not been here, but everything was so different for me and scary. Um, went to school a week after moving here. And at that time, and it, that was 1999, there were no Hispanics in my school. I, w I moved to Sandy, Utah, which was a very, very, very white area. Mm. Uh, nobody spoke Spanish in that school. So it was really, really hard. Things since then got more crazy in my home, like a lot of violence. And I was always scared and walking on eggshells and very depressed. I think that was the time from 13 to 16 that I was very suicidal and tried to commit suicide and felt so lonely and trying to keep the peace of my home, helping my mom because my dad wasn't working. He never really worked to support us. My mom had to do it on her own. She went from being a vet 
and doing her passion to working at Walmart, then nothing wrong with that. But that was very traumatic for her and I could uh, feel it. Um, I remember at 13 when I moved here, they diagnosed me with PCOS and told me that I was never going to be able to have kids. That was really, really hard for me um, because I've always dreamed of a little girl since I was little. And yeah, what I remember though in my darkest times when I was 16 was this man, a friend of my dad's before he left to Florida again out of the blue. One day we came back from church and he was gone and moved to Florida. But his friend was living in our house for a while and he saved my life because he came to my room once and he was like, I can see that you're very depressed. And he talked to me for like 10 minutes, but it completely woke me up and, and, and I felt seen for the first time. And that's when I decided that that's what I wanted to do with people. And that's why I do what I do, thanks to that, to that man that saw me and started talking to me about like how my future could be completely different than the way I grew up. And somehow I believed it. So why I think we never know what we're saying to people, what people are going through and how much that can impact them. And then at 16, I met my, my husband. And when I met him, I felt like you're going to marry him. And that was crazy for me, but I knew I was going to marry him. And... I moved out of my house at 18 and went to live with him and that wasn't that beautiful for a while. <laughs> it was a really hard relationship for many years, a lot that we had to learn, a lot of trauma I had, a hundred times more trauma he had, but I was able to work through that and it has become a beautiful relationship since then. Yeah, and, and then m the first time I got, um, I did a meditation, you guys, I was, I went out of my body and it freaked me out. But in that time, I was floating in the ceiling and the person that was guiding the meditation noticed and she was trying to get me out back in my body. But in that, in that moment, I saw this little girl holding my finger and I knew that was going to be my daughter. And I saw her like how she actually looked like a one year old. And this was after four or five years of trying to get pregnant and not being able to. And a week after I got pregnant with Natalia, who's my, my miracle baby, and um, she's 16 now. And that started my journey like into all of this, even though I didn't meditate for six years, seven years after that, because I was freaked out. I had to go through like a huge self-love journey that took years to learn to love myself and to work on that. And until I did, and when I did, life completely changed. I felt like I was reborn. It was in 2014 and I had like a complete switch from kind of like hating myself and thinking I was so gross and disgusting to loving myself. And that's what empowered me to do the work that I do now. And that's why I work with a lot of women to help them love themselves and, and know their worth and their value. So yeah, that's a little bit of a summary of what, where I come from and why I got empowered to help others. Quick question. You yeah. said that you empower women to love themselves. I have to say from my own experience, I would hear that all the time, especially in the beginning of my spiritual journey, love yourself, love yourself. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know how to do that because my whole life I was treated very poorly by family, by peers, and I never believed anything good about myself, right? And so what would you say to our listeners out there who may be in that same place who don't know how to love themselves? Because really, they didn't, that wasn't their experience or mm -hmm. hasn't been their experience so far in life. So what approach would you 
give to your clients and to our listeners on that? I think it's both it's both a practice of self-love, but it's also going really deep into who we really are. I think if we don't know who we are, we can't love ourselves. But like when you learn that we're actually love, made out of love, and we take away all our ego and all our trauma and personality and the things we've been through, what we're left with is this beautiful light mm. that it's the core, the, the origin of this light is pure love, unconditional love. And that's what we are. So we have to like deconstruct our life uh, layer by layer to get to that core because we're all that same light. And that's something that's really hard to do. And it, it has to happen in a spirit, like with a spiritual experience. Yes. Um, there's no other way to do it than really tapping into our spirituality. Mm-hmm. We can do a lot of the, oh, let's do the affirmations and all the little practices that help us love ourselves more. But until you get into that core of who you are, that won't happen completely. That's right, because that was my experience. All the meditations mm-hmm. in the world, all the affirmations in the world yeah. didn't do anything for me because I wasn't in that place yet mm-hmm. that you just described. So Yeah, like for me, it was years of trying and doing all those affirmations and meditations and, and trying to change my mindset. And it helped a ton. Like it made me feel a lot better. But I had th- to go through a dark night of the soul. And it started when I separated from my husband for a year that it was the darkest part of my life. And that's how I started rebuilding from then. Mm. It's interesting because people said like, when does that happen? When do you love yourself, right? And it can take years or it can happen in an instant. I think it's both. Because that instant for me was in 2014, I went to my own solo trip for the first time to the Oregon coast, to Cannon Beach. And I was walking on that beach And I had a spiritual experience where everything is like a light hit me completely. And it was screaming at me like, oh my gosh, you do love yourself. Yeah, so I was walking through Cannon Beach and I had a beautiful light strike me. And it completely awakened me. And I don't even know what happened in that moment, but it was like a complete shift in me. And I was like, oh my gosh, you do love yourself. There, there can be anything else than love because that's who you are and it was like it hit me at a different level of my being that that trying to analyze it or anything like that doesn't work I just felt it and I never was the same after that you know like it was just such a beautiful experience for me so it happens in an instant like that but it was like years of work also and now I've been talking a lot so let's shift it to Victoria Victoria. tell us (laughs) tell us who you were that made you who you are okay (laughs) you know I am I'm doing a, a lot of looking back to my childhood and I would say overall I I was a very happy kid I just remember feeling pretty free as a kid, I still am very curious. If there was a rock, I was looking underneath it. And if there was a, you know, a cave to go in, I was going and exploring it. <coughs> I don't know what's going on. Send me Reiki or something. <laughs> oh, sorry, Victoria. Oh, no, you're, you're fine. Totally you're fine. You're totally fine. Drink, drink more water or something if it helps. Is. Yeah, so I was I was just very curious, and I think that that protected me since I was little. Um, I just always remember feeling 
other beings around me and they were my friends i am still a bit of a, a lone wolf if you will i really love to be on my own and i just remember playing but never really being by myself and i grew up in a home that was um very scientific and you know patricia you mentioned like with your parents they are of that generation where they don't know how to talk about emotions yes and I was an incredibly emotionally in tune child, very, very, you know, high, highly sensitive person. And I could feel so much of the people around me. And so for me, being alone was me being in peace. I could find peace. I remember when I was a kid in school, I both loved and hated the days that new kids would come into the classroom. And so I grew up in Colorado Springs and I was in the Air Force Academy School District. And so there were always new kids coming and going because it's, it was a largely military population. And I loved and hated those days because I hated them because I could feel the dread and the fear of the kids when they would be the new kid in school because mm-hmm. they always, yeah, I could focus my attention on this new person. And looking back, I was a pretty naive kid. And I think that's how my guides protected me that when there are times where I go, wow, I was I think I was bullied in that instance, but I didn't really know it at the time. Looking back, it makes me kind of angry. Like, wow, that girl was kind of mean, but I was so naive that I could just turn my focus somewhere else. I remember when I was a kid, there was this guy who was such a bully and he would target me. And instead of playing with the other kids, because he would kind of ostracize me, I would go and look for snakes on the playground. Like, because that's the one thing the teachers told me not to do. Like, we weren't allowed to go and look for the snakes. (laughs) So that's what I would do. And that was kind of my childhood. I would just divert attention. I was probably about 12 years old. My mom took my sister and I to this place called the Carousel during the summer because we were on summer break and we were preteens and probably fighting all the time, which is what my sister and I did and drove my mom crazy. And so very (laughs) wisely, she took us to this place where they used horses for therapy and it became the escape of my life because when I became a teenager in those years I started to lose my connection to my guides and beings around me because I honestly thought everybody had them and when I would talk to friends about them (laughs) they would tell me I was crazy and they Mm -hmm. would tell me that that's that's not real and you're a baby Mm. and stop being a baby and and so I didn't have anybody in my life that I could share that with. Nobody understood that. But teenage hormones are rough on empaths. I mean, our oh, own. hell yeah. Yeah. And then everybody else's. It's like, it's just this cacophony of, and it was too much. And I couldn't handle, I couldn't handle the people, but I had horses. Mm. And I could be with, I could feel what they were feeling. I could, I to this day believe I could communicate with them telepathically. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And just being around horses all the time. And I would go before school, after school, every day on the weekend. That's what I was doing for years from the time I was 12 until, you know, into my 20s. And it was such a beautiful escape for me because in that district and in my home, it was so scientific. And I was raised in a very heavy science background, not a religious background at all. And so I didn't have a connection to spirituality in any way. And then I had the science background that was slowly teaching me that if you can't measure it, mm-hmm. prove it with a mathematical equation and, you know, and your brain is your asset, nothing else really matters. It's just your brain that started to kind of edge out 
the spiritual connection that I had. At the same time, you know, I used to say that I was really lucky because we grew up, it was just me, me and my sister. We grew up in a house where we were never told you can't do something because you're a girl. Or, you know, I remember telling my dad, I want to be an astronaut. And was like, okay, let's make a space station model or whatever. I think that was a blessing. But at the same time, we were not taught the difference between genders. And so in one way, it's beautiful because my sister and I grew up not being told in our homes that we were different because we were women. It also was a very masculine dominated, Mm -hmm. not just our home, but the school district and and Colorado Springs is such a masculine place anyway. And so I left my feminine energy very early Mm -hmm. and was in that masculine energy space. And I chose a masculine career and... Um, very masculine, very engineering and and very, very left brain dominated career. And except for a few year stint in college where it was like hippie spirituality everywhere and I was traveling the world and, you know, engaging in all these things. And I thought this is going to be my life. And it's it was beautiful. And I felt more connected than I ever had. And and then life took over. And I had to actually leave school and graduate and have a job and got into a into a very masculine career. And I had some mentors along the way that were great and they helped me become a successful businesswoman. But they I was taught that to be a successful businesswoman, you had to act like a man mm-hmm. and you had to be aggressive and you had to be, but not too aggressive because we're women. And if we're too aggressive, <laughs> we're bitchy, but just yeah. the right amount of aggressiveness yeah. and you know, for years, all I would wear pantsuits, you know, and not that I'm not a big skirt person anyway, but just that persona that a black pantsuit is very, you know, makes you more masculine. And I believe that shutting down all that masculine is the source of, of the pain that I, that I suffered and kind of breaking that open. It was hard for me. I never wanted children of my own. It was just not something that I ever felt I needed or wanted. And to this day, I don't regret that I never had children of my own. Um, Just not for me. But raising my two children, who are technically stepchildren, was really hard. I didn't know how to tap into the mothering. That feminine energy. Yeah, it was so hard. And I think that fight inside of me is where a lot of the pain was coming from. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. You didn't want to be a mother. Yeah. I remember when I met you like eight years ago or something that you would tell me like, I just want to run away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I dream about running away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. It was really hard. Yeah. Yeah. And my face, my face getting bright red. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's super hot. It's hot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a lot of energy that we're. See, I'm over here cold. I'm sitting like this because I'm cold. Skins (laughs) are burning. Okay. So here's the question. Come on. Come in. <laughs> it's coming. I'm going to ask it in light language and then you won't know what it is, but you will know what it is. That's right. This is beautiful and it's going a little long. So I think we're going to divide this into another episode. Before we end, what is the biggest lesson that you take from this time, from your childhood youth in your life? Yeah. Just give me a minute. <laughs> I think tapping into, into that question, Victoria The first thing that came to my mind was from my childhood, I learned power of compassion and to not hurt others. Yes. I think I grew up seeing people hurting each other and because there were people that were broken, so they were bleeding on whoever didn't cut them, right? Mm -hmm. 
And by me, I remember as a little kid watching all of that happening in front of me and being like, I never want to be like that. You know, I, I will never do that to others. That's right. And I think I made that decision that I was going to be completely different and I was going to have a home that was completely different too. And I created a beautiful family because of the trauma I went through in my childhood and I became who I am as a compassionate being because of that because I don't want to hurt anyone yeah I would say that that's like the thing that I learned the earliest on in my life mm-hmm. about you Patricia mine goes very much hand in hand with that too because I was treated so badly and poorly in society and at home that I could never ever knowingly hurt somebody like there are times when I might say something and think oh my gosh that came off the wrong way and I'm like I'm so sorry I that hurt your feelings or whatever you know I don't mean it to to sound that way but So I try very consciously to choose my words carefully too, but sometimes, as we all do, right? We just say things and we're like, wait a minute, that didn't come out right. So I'm with you there, Gabby. For me, I can't hurt people if I tried. Mm -hmm. I mean, knowingly, Mm -hmm. I I just can't do it. I know exactly what that feels like. And our words have so much power behind Mm -hmm. them. They do. So much power behind them. What we can say to people will either hurt or heal. Mm And I grew up with my brother turning his trauma into anger, and I could see how much that hurt, not Mm -hmm. just himself, but me and anybody else that got in his way. Yeah. And so for me, I could never be like my brother. I mean, he's changed a lot now, so he's not nearly like he used to be, but that's who we were as children because of the environment we grew up in. And so that's what I would say. I lost track of the thought of the question what was the actual question see ADHD. the lesson yeah oh. which is beautiful yeah what you've shared I think oh, you okay. shared it already like your I biggest lesson okay mm-hmm. yeah so the lesson in my trauma I've learned compassion for people like Victoria was saying earlier you how did you say it about the new ch- new kid that would always come in school yeah. and dread it but also look yeah forward to hated it? it and loved it yeah mm-hmm. right and I totally resonate with that because I knew what it felt like to feel alone and not know anybody that is on your side or and so I was always the one reaching out to the mm-hmm. new person too because I knew what it felt like and I didn't want them to feel alone mm-hmm. what about yeah. you Victoria I think the lesson that I would that I would share from my childhood, and I don't think I learned it from my childhood, but I since learned it, is to allow yourself to be who you who you are and what you feel and not to not to conform. And I'm a revolutionist at heart, you know, I think in my past lives I've probably been in every revolution on earth. <laughs> but I think part of that is fighting against the idea that you have to conform to be loved, you have to conform to be safe, you have to conform to be accepted, to be successful, whatever, that you don't have to conform and compromise who you are. And shutting off parts of yourself, just take it from me, doesn't work. Like yourself is going to be yourself. And if you shut down those parts, they're going to come out and they're going to come out in a way that you have to pay attention. And That's I think right. that pain coming through was my body, my soul, the universe's way of saying you can't shut down who you are and you can't shut down this part of, of who you are. And the thing I would add to that is to trust how others see you. Like those others that are safe and, and trustworthy. And I look back over time and if I'd pay more attention to how others see me, 
I don't know if I would have shut down those parts myself. And I remember in my in my high school yearbook, there was this kid named Mike, and he was one of those new kids back when we were 10 years old. And he wrote in my high school yearbook, um, I don't remember anything anybody else wrote, and I don't talk to anybody from high school, but he wrote, you were the first one to say hi to me when I was new, and I will never forget that. Mm. And looking back on that, if I'd have taken that to heart then, the way I take it to heart now, that was a reflection of who I was as a human being. And so look for others who love you. Look for your reflection in them because mm-hmm. we're used to hearing that, you know, sometimes the people who annoy us are a reflection of the things, the bad things in us or whatever. But we also see the reflection of the beautiful parts of us in other people. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a lesson that I have to remind myself of every day that we can see the beauty of ourselves and other people when maybe we don't feel it as much every day in ourselves. Yeah. Hmm. That's awesome. I love that you said that from those who love you. Yes. Because there were many times in my life where I just thought somebody was being nice. Mm. Like, oh, they're just being nice. Because I didn't really believe that about myself because I was conditioned to not believe those things about myself. Oh, they're just being nice. They're just being nice. But when it comes to the people who love you, they're the ones that are going to tell you the truth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I love that you said that. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So let's go into episode two next week. Yep. All right. We get to hear how these lessons play out in adult life. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I would love to hear about that too. So lots of things I'm learning from you ladies today. So thank you. Me too. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for listening today. If you would like to be a guest on our show, or if you have any other comments or questions, please feel free to contact us via our website, which is realsoulspodcast.com. You can also find out more information on the services we offer, such as distant Reiki, spiritual life coaching, and so much more.